0: Take your Bible and turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 17. I want us to look at the first eight verses together. Matthew, chapter 17, verse 1 through 8. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. Matthew 17, verse 2. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, I I love this part. Lord, it's, it's really good for us to be here. I mean, what are the chances, Lord? It's so good that we are here. And I've got this idea. If if you want to go with this idea, uh, I could build some tents, some shelters. One for you. I could build one for Moses. I could build one for Elijah. I could build these these tents, these shelters. Verse 5 says, He was still speaking when... While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. In other words, Peter, shut up. Be quiet. Stop talking. Listen. Listen. Verse 6, when the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But when Jesus came and touched them, something happened. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. That's an amazing passage. It's a famous portion of Scripture. The the Mount of Transfiguration. Today I want to share from my heart on this first Sunday in 2015, a message entitled Divine Interruption. You know what it's like when you're watching your favorite TV show live, not DVR, not the Netflix, you know, binge watching thing, but you're watching your favorite television show, whatever it is, live, and it's right in the middle of that show, there is that breaking news that cuts in, that interrupts the regularly scheduled program. I, I believe. That God wants to have some divine interruptions to break into the regularly scheduled program that we have anticipated for 2015. On January 1st, many of us made plans for the next year of how we're going to do this and how we're going to do that. How we're going to do better at these things and we're going to do more or less of those things. We dream up these plans and they're going to be amazing, but but I'm praying, I'm believing that God has some divine interruptions for us this year to interrupt our agenda, to interrupt our plan, to interrupt our regularly scheduled course of life for the next year. Let's take a minute. Let's ask God to breathe on this passage of Scripture for us. As I pray, you pray in your mind with me. Heavenly Father. I ask that you'll not only breathe on this passage for us today, I ask, I anticipate, I expect that you'll have a divine interruption for us, not just this morning, but for this next year. Lord, would you do what you need to do to get our eyes on you, to silence us so we can hear more of you. We're hungry to hear from you today. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Have you noticed that listening is somewhat of a lost art? I don't know if it's this new age of social media where everybody's fixated on giving their status update and and making sure you know all the latest things that they are doing that's caused us to, to talk more than to listen. I'm not sure. But it's almost as if people don't listen too much. Anymore, I mean how many of you know that listening is not just being quiet waiting for your turn to talk again There's an active listening that needs to take place and and sometimes we miss it And there's no better time to gauge this and to witness this than sometimes during the holiday season Many of us have just been with a bunch of family or friends or people we're gathering with and and no doubt at times Like that when you get together with a large group of people around a table stories will be told but it's inevitable, from time to time, it'll take place, maybe it's happened to you, you get well into a story. I mean, you're waxing eloquently, the details are flowing from your mouth, and you look up to notice that nobody is listening. Everybody, anybody ever had that happen? I mean, you're telling a story, it's exciting, and you take account of who's paying attention, and no one is listening. It's hard to be cool when you just kind of fade into the background, and, and no, no one's really paying attention to what, what's going on. I guess the only thing worse than nobody listening to you is when somebody, when you're telling your story, you started the story, they begin to take over and hijack your story. Ever had that happen? The the family member, the loved one begins to say, well, that's not quite exactly how it happened. It happened like this, and it's as if to say, hey, why don't you just be quiet? Let me tell the story, and they interrupt you. How rude. They interrupt your storytelling. I don't know if you've had that happen, but as I read this passage of Scripture, this thought of interruption comes into my mind. As far as I can find, the only time that I can see where God interrupts someone while they are speaking is right here in Matthew 17. The most powerful, yet the most loving and gracious being in the universe talks over someone. I mean, just jumps right in and interrupts. What's going on? Who is this person? It's it's Peter. Of course, it, it had to be Peter. If you don't know much about the New Testament, Peter is the one doing most of the talking, even though it's God's story. He likes to just talk and talk and talk. We see his personality come out. True to form, Peter is, is at this amazing moment on this mountaintop with Jesus. He's there with John, and he's there with James and these disciples that are closest to Jesus. They get to this high mountain, and the Bible says that Jesus' face starts shining white as light. Moses appears. Elijah appears. And what does Peter do? Peter does what Peter does best. Peter does what humans do. Peter speaks up. Why? Because he's convinced he's there to say something. He's there to do something. I mean, if he wasn't to say or do anything, why would he be there? Look at verse 4. Peter says, Lord, it's good that we are here. I mean, you, Jesus, the very Son of God. I mean, we got Moses, we've got Elijah, and me, Peter. What a great mix of people. How good it is that we are here. And, you know, the reason it's so good that I'm here is because I can... I can build stuff. I can build shelters. I can build tents. I'm, I'm good at that. Can you imagine Moses looking at Jesus and saying, who is this guy? What, 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 is he, what is he thinking? You know, as Christians, sometimes we, we read passages like this and we see Peter talking and, and we can say, oh, Peter, what a train wreck. Can you believe this guy? He's always talking and talking and talking. Hello? You are just like Peter. So am I. We get so caught up in what we say and what we do. And we figure that what well, we're here, I must be called upon to say something. I must be called upon to do something. That's why I'm here. And something takes place. God silences Peter. He says, be quiet. Listen. This is what we do as humans when we get on mountaintops with God and we think that we're there to help Him out. Isn't that right? January 1st rolls around, and some of us like to get all of our ducks aligned in a row, and we begin to tell God all the things that we are going to build for Him in this next year shelter after shelter after shelter. God, I'm going to go on a diet. I'm going to take care of the temple that you've entrusted to me. God, I'm going to exercise three times a week. God, for 15, 20, 30 minutes a day, I'm going to be praying. I'm going to read my Bible through this year. God, I'm going to do more acts of service this year than ever before. God, look at the tent. Look at the shelter that I am going to build for you. It's going to be a great 2015. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Yet yeah, see God talks right over Peter. I love this. He sends a cloud to envelop Peter. Just just suck him up. It'd be like at the dinner table at this Last holiday season where you're sitting with your family and and I can just see me there with with Carrie and with my mother-in-law and my brother-in-law and my daughter Caden. And my daughter is just talking, 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 talking. And I just reach behind the table to where the stuffed chair is and grab the blanket and throw it over Caden and just say, stop it. Be quiet. Stay under there. Just be quiet. And God just brings this cloud to envelop Peter and basically says, stop. And when he stops him, he says, I want you to listen to my son with whom I am well pleased. Now, the next time we find Peter, James and John, they're on their face. They're terrified. I could just imagine James and John whispering to Peter, what do you mean build shelters Are you dense? God is saying something to us. Before we continue on the story, I want us to, in rapid fire, look at six critical observations that will maybe help us unpack this passage of Scripture that may give us some nuggets that we can work with in our life today. Jesus was a Jew, and Matthew was writing primarily to a Jewish audience. And here in verse 2, it says that Jesus' face was shining like the sun, white as light. His clothes were gleaming. You see, the original audience would have known about a similar story about Moses in Exodus verse, or chapter 34, verse 29, where we find Moses' face was shining as a result of talking with God. He didn't realize it, but when he went down from talking with God, the the glory of God was so bright around him, it reflected off his face and everybody could tell that he had been with God as his face was shining bright. As we read on, we see that his face would begin to slowly go back to normal and the light would begin to go away and fade in time. But the first thought I want us to catch is this, that Moses' face was shining from outside of himself. Now, while this was similar to what we read here in in Matthew 17, there's a very distinct difference. Jesus, his face, was shining from within. Moses was shining from without. It was reflecting the glory of God that he was around. But Jesus, something different, though it was similar, he was shining from within. And I believe this message was very important for the Jews, for the people of Israel. The third key thought is, is this. There is one who has come... That is greater than Moses. The one that they had trusted. The one that was their leader. Now there is one that has come who is not just shining from without. But there is one who is shining from within. Greater than Moses. As we go on, another observation. Why Moses and Elijah? Why did they show up? Why not David? Or Abraham? Or Ruth? A forethought for us today, I think, is that we can see that Moses and Elijah represent the law and the prophets. In other words, the message is very clear here. The one who has come has come to fulfill the law and the prophets. The one that is greater than Moses is here to fulfill this law and prophets. And we need to see that there is a very real message that these early hearers of this word would have caught. Now, as we go back to the story, remember Peter is doing what humans do best doing stuff and saying stuff. But he was missing it. That's not what God had for him. But it brings this all important question why is Peter, James, and John there? Clearly, they were not there for what Peter thought they were there for. And I think this question is, is super relevant to you and I today because I think the same reason that Peter, James, and John were on that mountain is the same reason that you and I are here on this earth. Why are we included in God's story? What are we here for? What is the point of our existence in 2015, this next year? Peter thinks he's there to build stuff and to say stuff. Clearly he missed it. God blinded him and quieted him. And now they're on their face Terrified. Look at these first few verses. I think it can tell us a little bit of why they're there. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, John, the brother of James, and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. That's interesting to me that there was no preparation for what they're about to experience, there was no warning. Boom, Jesus just radiates in all of His glory. I mean, Jesus didn't say, hey guys, in a, in a minute, it's going to get kind of crazy around here. It's, it's going it's to be kind of amazing. There's going to be this bright, shining light. It's going to be transfiguration. Now, what transfiguration is, it's my essence From within, being made visible outside of myself. And it's a moment for me to declare my deity and my messiahship. So on the count of three, I'm going to beam with light. One, two, that's not at all what happened. They're, They're there with Jesus, and then all of a sudden, Peter's just like, whoa! The glory of God! Shining, beaming out of Jesus. No warning. It just happened. Said that Jesus appeared to them. Why? Peter, James, and John were there. I believe they were there to watch, to listen, and to witness Jesus. They were there to witness something. Um, but, but don't you know, Jesus, that, that I can build stuff? You're there to watch. To listen and to witness. You watch me and I will change you. Now, there's some good life application for us in this. I want us to shift our attention to now what, what could God possibly do with this text and our life in 2015. I think one thought is, is this, that life is not as much about what you can build as much as it is about what you can witness we are witnesses they came on that mountaintop for the same reason that you and I are here today we are witnesses on this earth but if you're like most of us January 1st comes around and and we begin to line up all these shelters that we build before God we call them resolutions or shelters things that we build that we put our effort in it's the shelter of healthy eating or self-discipline or working harder or reading more or praying more or doing more. But friend, far more important than what you can build or far more important than what you can say is who you can see. Can you see Him clearly? Listen to what God interrupts Peter with. This is my Son with whom I am well-pleased listen to him in Matthew Mark and Luke there's only two places that I can find that God speaks directly to earth only two times and both of those times he says almost the same thing in Matthew 3 17 it's Jesus's baptism and God speaks to the earth and says this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased as we fast forward to chapter 17 the Mount of transfiguration Remember, Peter has this idea. He has this resolution. He's going to say something. He's going to do something. It's going to be amazing. But God interrupts him and says, This is my son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Could it be that when God audibly repeats himself speaking to earth, that it's incredibly important for us to hear his message? The most important thing... For this planet and all of its inhabitants is to realize what we have in Jesus. God's Son. Jesus isn't just special to you and me. Jesus is special to God. Listen, God's saying, I have put all of myself in Him. He is the object of all of my love. He is the culmination of my very person. He is everything that I am. It is in Him. God the Father is trying to send a message to all of earth and its inhabitants you are witnesses of Jesus. Before you get so busy building and doing and talking and saying, stop and do the most important things of witnessing, of admiring, of soaking in, relishing the greatest gift that's been ever given to us. Witness Jesus. Stop talking and doing and running and going and planning and working and, and just watch for him. Listen for him. Maybe another point of application for us is that we are to look to and listen to Jesus before anything else. If God has to, He'll blind us. So we'll stop looking at ourselves and so we can see him more clearly. If God has to, he will silence us. So we will stop listening to ourselves and we'll start listening to him. Can you see him? Can you hear him? They fall on their faces as God declares that Jesus is the object of his affection. And God is, in essence, saying, You can see me. You can know me. You can have a relationship with me because of him, because of Jesus. Watch him. Listen to him. They're on their faces now, terrified. Now look at this turn of events that Jesus leads them in in verse 7. Jesus came and touched them saying, rise. Have no fear. Church, don't miss this. Jesus is saying, there is no fear. Fear necessary to listen to me. Don't be afraid. I think we can look at a passage of Scripture like this where, where God so clearly says, look for Jesus, listen to Jesus, and we can begin to fret. We can begin to say, well, what if I don't hear God? Or, or what if I don't see Him? What if I miss it? What if I, I, I'm i supposed to go here and I end up going there? What if I'm supposed to save this money here and I end up spending it there? What, what if I miss it? And we begin to get so... Uh, Agitated and, and so nervous and, and so afraid that when we get fearful it's harder to hear God. It's harder to see God. And Jesus will come and say, hey, be still. You don't need to be afraid. There's no fear necessary to listen to Jesus. God will shout loudly, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. And Jesus will come and in perfect love cast out all Fear. Now here's the best part. Verse 8. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. Moses was gone. Elijah was gone. It was as if to say that they were no longer needed. Those original hearers would have said, What are you talking about? No longer needed. This is the, the law. This is the prophecy. That these are our, our leaders. What, what are you trying to say to us? They opened their eyes and there was no law to fulfill. There was no prophecy to interpret. There was only Jesus to love. And God's audible voice says, look to my son. Listen to him. Friend, when God interrupts you and quiets you, when you witness God's glory in Jesus, when you allow him to take away your fear, you will see no one except Jesus. Let God focus your vision so you can only see Jesus this year. All the teachings of Moses, it's really all about Jesus. All the prophecy, it's really about Jesus. Watch Jesus, adore Jesus, worship Jesus. If we do that in 2015, it won't be another self-centered year, another pain-centered year, another inadequacy-centered year or deficiency-centered year. No, it's going to be a year focused on the completeness that we can experience in Jesus. I want to live every day centered on Jesus. I believe you want to live every day centered on Jesus. What would it be like if this year was not about what you would build or what you would say, but about what you witness and what God is doing around you? What if it was a year that was centered on just listening and watching for Jesus? It's about His beauty, His majesty, His glory, His love. A final thought for us is, why have we come to this mountain Why are we on this planet? Why has God allowed you to have breath in your lungs in 2015? I believe we are here to witness His Son with whom He is very well pleased. Can you look to Him? Can you see Him? Can you rest in Him? If so, you will fulfill your purpose on earth. Maybe this could be a year where we have less resolutions and more revelations from God, Could we not only welcome, but could we expect God's divine interruption into our regularly scheduled ritual of life, helping us keep our focus on Him? Church, as we close, would you stand with me? I'd like us to pray and invite God to allow this text to breathe fresh and new in our life today. Father God.